If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we could just turn. This I'm sure. Into would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 17 of Martian MMA. Today, I got my reoccurring uh, favorite guest to the show, Luke, tuning in with me. What's up, man? Oh, nothing much, man. How's it going? Looking forward to the fights this weekend? Yeah, we had a, a big drought with the UFC, almost uh, almost three whole weeks. Um, so... Uh, we, we might uh, have to talk about the the Barbosa versus Lee card for a little bit uh, just to start things off. You know, even though it was, it feels like a month ago. La- yeah, like last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, and then we got uh, the fa- the Bellator uh, uh, 198, was it? Yeah, in between that. So we definitely got a, a, a good little st- uh, gap to talk about, uh, in the, in, even though there was a, such a gap in the UFC. Um, so uh, what did you think of the Atlantic City card? Uh, altogether, I thought it was a pretty good card. Uh, the uh, Kevin Lee Edson Barboza fight, man, that was crazy when Barboza caught him with that spinning kick. Barboza's tough. It, I just he just doesn't really pose very much of a threat from his guard, you know. Yeah, his uh, uh his ground game is um, it's it's not it's not really up to par with uh the rest of like the the lightweight division. No, I mean I think Lee is is legit as they come in the one fifty five pound division as well. Yeah, I mean you you heard the interviews when like Marlon Marias and Frankie Edgar were saying like Edson Barboza is no joke on like he's a great wrestler, hard to take down, good on the ground. But uh, his past two fights, Khabib and uh, Kevin, have just been making him look like uh, uh, he has no no business being on the ground. Um, and they're 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 a different type of animal you know we we it's very uh rare to see a guy as dominant and uh have as good ground as pound as those two guys do but um did you think that uh kevin lee's performance was better than khabib's against uh barbosa uh you know styles make fights it's tough to say uh khabib's got a different style of wrestling than what kevin lee has khabib kind of favors ground and pound Kevin Lee kind of you know goes for more position and then reigns in some ground and pound. It's 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 pretty tough to say, you know, and they they come from two different styles of wrestling. Khabib's more of that combat sambo, and Kevin Lee's more of the American wrestling. Uh, Kevin Lee only really shoots doubles as well. Khabib goes for singles. He's kind of got more of a diverse takedown game. Yeah, that's so true. It's, I, uh... it's tough to compare the both of them. Yeah, I feel like. Uh... Khabib uh, prefers like uh, single legs 
or uh, you know pushing you against the cage and then uh, then going for a double leg or something. I feel like Kevin Lee just blasts in and uh, you know explosive takedowns. I think that's that's way better. Uh, I don't know, like you know, if you watch the first round of uh, Lee and Barbosa, he Lee blasts that double and gets him down right away. While the first round of Khabib and Barbosa, Khabib kind of struggled and had to chase him around the octagon before you know, eventually grabbing a hold of a leg and uh, wrestling him down. But I don't know. I think that uh, I think that Khabib, uh, Kevin Lee's uh, wrestling and ground and pound made uh, Khabib's look, uh, you know, not not rudimentary, but just a lot less uh, dominant than we thought a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I'd agree. And um, I think the big thing with Lee is, is his chin. I mean, I think in the past, you know, three or four fights, he's been rocked in almost every single one of the fights. But I mean, when you're at the, he's getting, he's fighting the hardest hitters at 155. But I mean, he also did get rocked by Leonardo Santos, who's known as a BJJ practitioner, not really a striker. And Khabib, while he, I don't think he was rocked by Michael Johnson. A lot of people think he was rocked. I mean, his striking's awful, but he's still yet to really been hit hard. So I think Lee and Khabib's going to be a really, really interesting matchup down the road if we ever get that to come to fruition. I think I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think uh, Khabib's going to fall off before uh, before then. Um, I can I see. Uh, I don't know whether whether it's uh, Ferguson or McGregor. I see Khabib losing his next fight, and uh, then I think that. Um, I think Kevin will uh, be able to knock off, I don't know, uh, Alvarez or Poirier or uh, another high-level guy and kind of steal Khabib's place. But I don't know. That's just coming from a guy who doesn't really like Khabib that much. But um, regardless. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I can see that as well. I mean, I think Khabib's been built up as this mythical figure, and I really don't see it, you know? You yeah, can't, that's he, true. He couldn't get out ally quinta and i mean i think it's kind of ridiculous to say that he was just he took the last four rounds off and was just testing him it's like why would you not want to get him out of there if you could get him out of there yeah he's he's not he's not that great uh, i don't i don't understand it at all um i mean lee finished barbosa he wasn't able to finish him um I, I he eventually uh, he finished Michael Johnson, but dude, uh, Darren Elkins handled Michael Johnson on the ground better than Khabib or quicker than he did. You know, Khabib ground and pound and, and you know eventually just uh, got a Kimura, but I mean Darren Elkins was on the ground with Johnson for less than a minute and he tapped him out. Like he's he's not very good on the ground and it, it took Khabib thirteen minutes to finish him of domination. So I I don't I don't really. Yeah, I, obviously we don't understand the the Khabib hype. Um, I, I mean, I don't think he should be even like on the top fifteen pound for pound list, honestly. Um, but uh, we won't hate on him for too long. Well, uh, let's go to the the bottom of this card real quick. Uh, Martin Nakamura, not, nothing exciting there. Anderson Cummins, nothing exciting there. Uh, did you uh you watch all these fights, all the prelims? Yeah, I actually did watch all nice. of them. The only one I tuned out of was Ryan LaFleur, Alex Garcia. I couldn't uh, sit yeah. through that, but that fight was so boring. Um, yeah. The Rosara, that was he had a pretty good uh, comeback. I'm pretty sure he, he lost the first round, uh, and uh, came back and got the knockout in the second. Yeah, I think that guy fights, you know, like once every three years. But if he actually started putting some more fights together, he's a 
know, he's a pretty interesting guy. He fought back in what dream, like some of those really, really older promotions has a ton of knockouts on his record. I mean, pretty interesting guy. I mean, that front kick to the body that he threw was nasty. You don't really see that very often. Yeah, he's like he's a very worn individual. I'm 34 years old, only 31 fights, but I mean, he's uh he's tough as shit, and uh, he's got a lot of a uh, good uh, IQ behind him. Yeah, and for sure. It's kind of a bummer about the injuries. Yeah, he's only fought five times in five years or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, he's uh, hopefully he can uh, remain active, uh, and you know have some more good fights. Uh all right, so this this uh Ricky Simon uh Divishali uh controversy. Uh this is uh this is uh, I feel like it's it, it kind of got swept under the rug uh, pretty quickly, but I think there was a, a massive disservice done to this uh Mareb Divishali guy. I'll just explain what happened real quick to the the listeners. Um so uh there's uh 1 minute left in this fight. It's going on for 14 minutes. And uh, Devashali's uh, won won the first fourteen minutes, not decisively, but pretty uh, pretty uh, on two of the scorecards. He won all three, or uh, he won the decision. So he shoots for a takedown on Ricky Simon and bounces his head off the canvas and knocks himself out. Uh, so there's a minute left in the fight and he's like unconscious on the mat, but the ref doesn't know it. And uh, the opponent sweeps him, gets on top of him. And uh, there's no response from this uh, Devashali guy. The guy gets a, a kind of a loose guillotine uh, on uh, Devashali. And uh, for about 35, 40 seconds, Devashali is pedaling his feet, just like cycling his feet like he's on a, a bike, trying to keep the blood th- flowing throughout the rest of his body. He's not defending the choke with his hands at all. He's just like letting it sink there. It's not really too deep of a choke. And... Uh, uh, so for 40 seconds, he's motioning in his feet, he's staying conscious, and then the fight ends. Uh, the, the horn goes, the ref says, uh, stop, you know, the fight's over, and uh, for one second, like, after the fight's over, the, this guy's, like, laying on the ground looking kind of googly-eyed, a little bit, and then a second later... He gets up and he sits up and starts to stand up and starts like motioning his arms. So, uh, so they eventually ruled the fight uh, a TKO technical submission for Ricky Simon. And the um, multiple referees, Mark Goddard, John McCarthy, everyone is saying that the yeah the ref was made the right decision. He was out at the bell, and I I, I don't understand any of it. I don't, I like to hear your uh, opinion of it because I think they totally got it wrong. Yeah, it was a it was a tough thing. I was actually watching that fight with my dad. My dad was super psyched on the Marab guy and was like, "Wow, he's you know he's pretty much like you said he beat uh, Ricky Simon's ass for 14 minutes." So, kind of like you said, he bounces his head off the canvas. I think he went out twice. Like oh, it's yeah. just really really tough to tell because when he's doing the the bike pedaling with his legs, it's almost like at first it looked effort and then towards the end it almost looks like he actually goes out to the guillotine yeah so it was it's a really tough sequence to tell because you can't really see his eyes and you know his like if he was doing something with his arms i feel like it would have made a better point i can't were his arms trapped no uh i think both of them were just like uh out and like flailing they're not moving just like literally extended out in like a t position yeah. That's where you need like the thumbs up, you know, or just at least fight the hands. Because doing the legs, in my opinion, just 
you know, yeah. gave the referee enough to say he, he was out. Give, I he think just he needed give him thumbs up. But uh, yeah, the, this this ref was this ref was a moron. He didn't notice that he knocked himself out. Um, yeah. And uh, then he, I think, and then after the fight is over, he called a TKO, and I don't understand it. Like he didn't, he didn't communicate with anybody. Uh, I don't know if you listen. To the, one of the biggest uh, issues with this shit is is uh, Mark Goddard. All right, so Mark Goddard was uh, in New Jersey. I'm surprised he's even in New Jersey. Honestly, he's a British guy, but um. So he's reffing in New Jersey, and then uh, this fight kind of ends. The ref never waves it off. You know, in a TKO, it's the ref's job to stand above them and wave the fight off with his hands, motion it. He never does that. Uh, and then he apparently just decides, like, oh, it's a TKO. And um, and he, he maybe he tells someone from the New Jersey Commission, but Bruce, Bruce Buffer has no idea. Bruce Buffer is going in there getting the scorecards, about to collect them and say that Mirab Devashelli won a split decision. But Mark Goddard is sitting on the side of the cage. He's the the cage side referee, not not involved in this fight. And he goes, Bruce, Bruce, what are you doing? He called a TKO. Why are you reading the scorecards? And Bruce is like, oh, uh, oh apparently he did. And so the, the, the judges didn't know. The announcer didn't know because the, the fucking ref didn't announce it to anybody. And Mark Goddard just kind of interfered on the sidelines and well, kind of in, interjected his own opinion in the fight and said, oh, he called a TKO. I don't understand why. All, I mean, you, you'd think that of all the smartest referees are uh, agreeing on this one decision. You'd think they'd be right. But I don't. I, I think it's totally wrong. And I think John Anik called him out on it. He said, like, it's been a couple of days since this whole controversy. And I respect, you know, McCarthy. I respect uh, Mark Goddard. But he wasn't out. And the ref, the ref never waved him off well he wasn't out at the at the bell that's what i'm saying like the dude said you, you've seen it right the he, yeah 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 for sure yeah slaps. like just like you said he looked a little out of it but then he immediately got up yeah he looked confused didn't look like he knew where he was but the dude sat up like a second later i don't understand how like uh what what about like matt matthews versus uh, uh carlos newton remember that fight when he power bombed him and they both got knocked out yeah and but yeah they, they and a tko for matthews because he moved like a little bit before before he uh newton did but he was still like totally out of it unconscious for like a good 30 seconds after the fight but they still gave him the victory i don't understand like uh, he already lost the appeal and I mean, people aren't really talking about it anymore. Obviously, it's not pretty insignificant because it's just one, uh, you know, prelim fight. But big fuck up on that one. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it should have been a no contest, you know. Yeah, or I just think I mean, it obviously Murad should have won. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, overturn that if you have so much, you know. Yeah, they should. Uh... I don't know. Yeah, it's just a mess altogether. But, you know, we need a better you we need the unified rule system everywhere and we need I mean it's it's 2018 and how long's this sport been? How uh, long's it been going? Since uh, well, UFC 1997, 25, 25 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean 25 years we still don't have a common rule set that's shared by every athletic commission. How fucked up is that? Yeah, uh, and and the, it's. I mean, the UFC doesn't even acknowledge it. Like, uh, I, uh, it was Frankie Edgar was. I think I think he was fight, fighting on the Atlantic City, and he was doing an interview, and uh, 
Yeah, Ariel Hawani asked him, Are these new rules or old rules? He's like, I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> they have no idea. Like, the fighters have no idea until like, maybe like the night of the fight whether you know these strikes are legal or not or something. It, it, yeah, it's all fucked up. It's one of the many issues. Um, but we'll keep talking about the, the rest of this car. We'll, not, not much left to go, uh, breeze through. Dan Hooker, uh, outclassed Jim Miller, landed a beautiful knockout knee. Um, kind of saw this one coming. I did uh, bet Hooker inside the distance and... Uh, was pretty. I wasn't too confident in it though, because Jim Miller hasn't been finished in the pa- by uh, by Trinaldo, by Poirier, or by Pettis. So you know, um, obviously those guys seem a lot more dangerous than Hooker uh, to the to the common eye. But to a, a novice like myself, I knew that uh, the Hangman was gonna score the knockout. Beautiful knockout, right? Yeah, I mean, those his intercepting knee, like the way he times that so well on people is crazy. You know, that's a weird, weird technique i would imagine to time yeah and he's gotten what two knockouts in the past two standing knee knockouts in the past uh year or something yeah i'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of dan hooker at 155 i mean who would have thought you know yeah i wish he uh, didn't seem like the world's biggest 145 or now he looks massive at 155 i wish we could he got called out uh paul felder right afterwards wish he could have gotten that fight but uh i think they booked uh paul felder for another fight if i'm correct right yeah, Felder versus uh, the friend of the rapist. What's that guy's name? Uh, a lot of them in MMA. James Vick. James. Oh Vick. yeah, yeah. Who's wh- wh- what's rapist? Uh... James Irvin. Oh, he's... that's his trainer. Really? That's what. Yeah, yeah. It's like proven he. I think it was like he turned the lights off. I don't know. It's a, it a nightmare. But yeah, 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 he. James Vick is one of the many people. I don't know of anyone else in the UFC who still trains under him, but a lot of people stopped training under him, but James Vick still chose to train under him. Interesting, so. yeah. I, I like I like James, James Vick a Vick. lot. He's, he's good. Uh, That's a tough fight for Felder. It's going to be a really good striking match. but uh, Yeah, I don't think Felder will be able to get past James Vick's boxing in his range. Yeah, I think definitely. He's gonna get. He's I like, mean, if he can get it to the ground, he can use those bows, but he's got to get inside. Nah, I don't think he'll be able to. Um but yeah, that's that's in the future. Uh, Sterling beat uh, Brett Johns. Pretty uh, unexciting fight. Uh, I won on uh, Sterling's money line. Was kind of happy on that. Uh, not that exciting though. Uh, David Branch, man, this was this was pretty shocking. Knocking out uh, Thiago Santos. Santos was on a four fight TKO streak, and uh, Branch comes in and stops him. That was pretty nuts. Yeah, I think Santos is kind of a glass cannon to be honest. You know. Like I don't know about his his chin's questionable at this point, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. David Branch, pretty interesting guy. There's a lot of one fifty five right now so. who are interesting. Uh, who are you know consider you know the steroids you got to think about uh, coming off of them. Um, I don't know. He's but he's he's been looking pretty good lately. Uh, I'm surprised that he. Uh, I got caught with a shot like that. Um, but I think David Branch is just a lot more dangerous than everybody expected him to be. He yeah, has, hasn't sure. really gotten a show off in the UFC, but I mean the dude's a super high level. Um, let's see, Justin Willis, Chase Sherman. That was actually surprisingly kind of a good fight. Justin Willis, he's like this fat, fat, fat 
guy with a huge gut and like the fastest hands in heavyweight. Like he was throwing some bombs at Chase. <laughs> he was. He, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure Justin Willis could easily cut down to 185. I yeah, mean, I don't. He's so. How, how tall is he? I'm pretty like sure five, he's eight. only like five. He's six three, but still, oh, really? he, he didn't seem that big. I, thought, yeah. I didn't think he was six three. Or how tall is Chase Sherman? Six four? No way. Chase Sherman looks so much taller. Yeah, than that's 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 that is off uh let's check i'm gonna check your sure dog page to see if it says any different uh six one there you go um yeah yeah he's uh he's got titties and everything he's uh but uh i don't know chase sherman man he got straight up look like he got knocked out like a, a mark hunt <laughs> style bomb and the dude somehow recovered and uh i mean he he lost the fight pretty uh clearly but shit man i'm surprised he was even able to do that or last that long like he yeah the first uh, he ate some heavy shots in the first round i was so surprised with willis's hands i mean the hand speed i haven't seen that in heavyweight since like Fayador or anything you know or yeah. kane like primary kane yeah it's yeah but i mean interesting to see how he goes forward with uh, his career because <laughs> he need imagine I, I i don't even know like what to expect with that guy because um he's just so fat um moving on so frankie edgar cub swanson man this fight was so boring um god what a dog shit fight to be honest you know especially i didn't i honestly kind of saw it going this way i didn't really expect much i kind of had the you know fleeting suspicion that cub was going to be a little bit nervous to fire because of the beat down he took the first time he fought him yeah definitely uh but i mean i'm frankie didn't even really get his takedowns going on i think right he kind of just put pushed him around on the feet and you know backed them up didn't didn't really land anything a really underwhelming performance from frankie i don't understand uh that i mean i guess you want to get back in there and get the, get a win as quick as quickly and safely as possible after a knockout like that but uh for your title shot contention that's not that's not going to do it you're gonna if he wants no. to if he wants to get back in there and get one more title shot at 145 before he's done he's gonna have to beat somebody else yeah i mean that looked like a, a some semi-rough sparring match you know yeah i think cub should retire dude looks like dog shit um yeah uh, i mean honestly if he's not fighting Duhu choi then <laughs> And yeah. then run it back with him and then retire. That guy was just a punching bag. I, I don't know. I didn't really like that fight that much, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then we already talked about the main event. Great fight in the main event. Pretty crazy moment with the spinning back foot kick. Uh, I don't know. You, were, you probably weren't following the live odds, but after the second round, uh, Kevin Lee just two, two 10 eights in a row. He was, uh, Barbosa was 13 to 1. Uh, and then he landed the spinning back kick and. Uh, Everyone's like, oh shit! And then uh, after the third round, he was back down to like four to one or something like that. And then he got his ass, he got his ass kicked again in the fourth round, and he went right back up to thirteen to one. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty funny. That's funny, hopping around everywhere. Yeah. All right. And then uh, and then Bellator uh, one one ninety eight. Let me pull up this court. Uh, did you uh, watch uh, most of these? Or, you know, they're pretty pretty short fights. I didn't watch a lot. Uh- I caught the Gracie fight. I didn't see the Lovato Jr. fight, and then obviously I saw the main event. I saw Dennis fight too. Yeah, well, yeah. I I just wa- I didn't watch the the whole fights. I just saw the submissions for the first, uh, you know, uh, four. God damn! The guy that Dennis fought 
is two and five. He's a bum, yeah. Uh, I think they. I think his record was. They said, they said he was like zero and four on like the Bellator website. And I'm like, yo, come on, give the guy some credit. He's two and four. Um, but yeah, that guy looked. He looked like a bum. Uh, Danis just finished it pretty easily. Pretty underwhelming. Um, Neiman Gracie, uh, his arm triangle wasn't the best arm triangle. That Emmanuel Sanchez arm triangle was pr- way more impressive. How he snatched it from the feet. Uh, yeah, for sure. And then Lovato Jr. tapping out Jared House. Jared House is uh, black belt himself, and he got him in a nasty arm bar. Um, and uh, man, that main event. Talk about a a heavyweight fight. That's uh, that's as good as it gets right there. Uh, Little rock, rocking back and forth, and uh, I, I was ha- really happy Fedor won. Uh, yeah, I was too. I mean, I really thought that Mir was going to come out and starch him with the way that Fedor's looked in the past. And then, you know, Mir's been over at Mayweather's gym. I figured if Mir didn't do anything stupid, which we saw what happened, that he would probably come out and, you know, rock Fedor twice and put him down for good. Yeah, the, the the knockout wasn't the best part about that fight. It was the hip toss was awesome. Uh, I don't know if you were watching the the fight companion too, but like they're all like, oh, oh shit, oh shit. They're kind of like uh, kind of excited. And then all three of them just go, oh, like when he hits that massive hip toss. Like, yeah. You know how good, uh, insane you got to be, uh, on, on, you know, obviously 30 years Sambo to take a guy Frank Mir's size, Frank Mir's grappling experience, and just totally ragdoll him. That was so awesome. And while he was huh. rocked, too like that's that's some uh some og shit but uh for sure for sure yeah and that's what i don't know if you saw mir's interview mir said that that's like the whole reason that he just started dropped his hands and started going for the finish because he was so pissed that he got tossed like that oh really (laughs) that's i didn't see that that's pretty funny that's pretty stupid yeah frank mir is kind of dumb um but, uh, yeah, it was uh, funny on the Fight Companion, too. Uh, Shab is friends with Mir, and he was like, you know, had him on his show earlier. And, like, before the fight, he's like, oh, Frank's jacked. Yeah, I had him on my show. He's looking good. Said he's ready to go. And then uh, and then right when he gets knocked out, he gets quiet as shit for a while. And he's like, well, uh, Chell versus Fedor. How about that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, it's quick, reco- quick recovery. Um, yeah, but yeah, that fight, that fight. I like I like Fedor's chances in that fight, man. Yeah, I love Fedor's chances in that fight. You know, I I know Chell. He's the king of memes, and everybody you know says he's beating everyone and everything. But I mean, if he launched Frank Mir like that, he can fucking launch Chell into into the atmosphere. I'm pretty you sure know? Fedor Chale was is... like an underdog in that fight. I could I could be wrong, but I'm gonna check that right now because I I think oh no no Fedor is the favorite. Rightfully so. Yeah, um, I mean, Chael's only path to victory is smothering him for three rounds, and it's I don't see Fedor getting smothered. No, obviously not. I mean, the dude is uh, just just as good as they get on the ground. Um, but yeah, that inter- interesting uh, development in the tournament. We got what Mitrion versus uh, Lawler and uh, or uh, Lawal, <laughs> King Mo and uh, Ryan Bader. Um, I think Ryan Bader will probably win out that side of the tournament, and then uh, Bader Bader Fader would be uh, pretty good. Uh, yeah, that'd be a pretty interesting fight. I think Bader is gonna win, but uh, either way, 
Um, I think uh, that that was def the the heavyweight tournament definitely got off to a pretty bad start. So it was good that they got uh they got this little boost to it. Yeah, they really needed the Fedor win to keep it going. I mean, you know, it would, I I just really wouldn't give a shit about seeing Mir fight any of them. So, yeah, that's true. Mir Chell is just not a very interesting fight for me. No, no. Um. All right, so uh, we're gonna move on to uh, two twenty four th- this weekend. Man, this shit is not a pay per view. Like you can't. I don't understand how you can even call this a pay per view. Uh, Dana White on on record is saying Amanda Nunes will never headline a pay per view again. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure this is like her second pay per view. Uh, since th- since he said that, um, yeah, because he she was against Shevchenko as well before that. Yeah, like how fucking well I I'm pretty sure that uh, was 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 Mighty Mouse supposed to be the main event that night? Oh yeah, Mighty Mouse was supposed to be the main event, so technically you you know, sh- it did fall through. Are you, sh- but, are you yeah. sure he was the main event? Or I feel like I feel like he, they were main event all along. Let me let me uh, I'll have to check out the uh, the page. Um, yeah, but I'm gonna make prediction. Uh, you, uh, you cut out there for a second. What would you say? I said I'm gonna make a prediction that this is under seventy five thousand pay per view. Oh uh, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised. Like, uh, the bars that show all the time are gonna be ah, uh, I got yeah, not this time, guys. Um, I yeah, think- I mean, why are you not missing? I mean, I don't know. There's there's. I think the UFC does a, a lot of stuff great, but they don't do very well promoting anything. I mean, you have the first fight where it's the first two, like a lesbian challenge, champion fighting a lesbian challenger. I'm not saying like advertise it like a porno, but advertise it like it's, you know, it's, it's a big thing for that. Yeah. Um, like I, the UFC could definitely push a little bit more marketing to, into this. It's oh, Monday oh. and I've, seen nothing tv wise or anything advertisement wise for this i don't think i don't think no matter what you can do you have a better chance at selling uh mckenzie dern to the lesbians than you do uh newness and pennington um i don't know that that is kind of a funny a funny dynamic um but uh i don't know i don't think that really adds much to it it's just this is just such a bad car i don't understand uh, how they can do? There's some there's some guys just on the roster that just aren't aren't UFC level. There's a, a gigantic percentage of them, and they just need to work on weeding these people out or find <laughs> find a way to you know. I, I I don't I don't know. They need to they need to find a way because every every card now has like eight eight so so matchups and maybe four or five good ones. You know. You need to find a way to consolidate the good fights, sell them, and uh, put the uh, the other fights, the unexciting, boring matchups, just like somewhere else because this model is just dying. Um, I mean, it honestly is. Can you imagine? Look at this. Look at all thirteen or twelve of these fights, and just this is a pay per view. Yeah, you there's, know? there's seriously like, there's, like we've got three or four good matchups. I want to say. In the entire like interesting ones that have like some implications, you know, like uh, yeah. Um, and I would argue if if I would say there's five, I'd say at least two out of the five are on the fight pass prelims. Um, you know, it's yeah. like what is there any? Can we build the card a little bit better to where we don't have the guy who fought in a diaper fighting, you know, the Alexia Linick as the second 
fight on the FX. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the ordering one, oh, with this one, I don't think, I think the first all, eight fights, all of them are, have very little implications. I mean, no, none of those people are anywhere near the top 15. Um, may, I mean, maybe Dos Santos wins, he's close. Maybe Alves wins, he's close. Um, but, sheesh, man. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll just start at the bottom. Um, Marcus Perez, uh, nine and one, taking on James Boshnovich, eight and two. This Boshnovich guy is just a classic example of uh, a, a guy who shouldn't be in the UFC. Uh, lost his UFC debut, got taken down, had no idea what he was doing on the ground, and got knocked out. Um, they're giving him one more chance in the UFC. Uh, against uh, Perez. Um, Perez. Perez is way better. Uh, he uh, lost his UFC debut to uh, Eric Anders, but that was on short notice. Um, you know, and, you know, Anders has been wrecking a lot of dudes and uh, for him to take it on short notice. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's up a weight class he took it. No, 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 that's not. No. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. This, this, this It's just an example of a fight doesn't have anything uh, anything cooking to it. It's like a guy, basically two guys fighting over to stay in, in the UFC. Um, so you probably don't know either of those guys, right? No, yeah, I do. Uh, on LF, I used to watch Perez when he'd fight on LFA. Uh, he fought right, Ian Heinish, who was like, I, I'm pretty sure he beat Ian Heinish, actually. Yeah, definitely. I'm pretty sure that's what got him his shot in the UFC, was beating Ian Heinish. Ian Heinish is one of the better prospects at 185. I have no fucking clue who Bohovnik or James is. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see his first fight in the ufc i don't think i did who did he take that knockout loss um i think Te- tevin uh giles trevin giles yeah another no name um yeah i mean it, it was yeah really i mean i have perez winning by like probably dropping him on the feed and then submitting him i mean perez is pretty game I mean, he's nine and one. He's a pretty young guy, so you know he's a guy that you definitely wouldn't mind having around at one eighty five. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, he's definitely the more legit of the two. He should definitely should win this uh, matchup too. Let me uh, let me check the odds out. Um, I'm, I'm I think uh, Bachnovich is plus two twenty and uh, plus two fifty. Yeah, Perez minus three hundred. So yeah, three to one favorite for uh, Perez. Pretty uh, pretty rightfully so. Um, and uh, next fight, uh, Albert Mina, thirteen and O, three and O in the UFC, uh, taking on uh, Razaman of Amiv, who's a uh, sixteen and three, one and O in the UFC. Um, you know, Mina uh, or Mina is a, a jiu-jitsu guy, Brazilian guy. Um, although he's got some pretty good striking. Uh, even though uh, his last fight was against uh, Mike Pyle like two years ago. He did knock him out with a flying knee. Um, and uh, Amiv won his last fight by uh, just basically uh, mo- uh, forward pressure uh, and uh, just basically some decent striking to beat Sam Alvey. Um, you have uh, any opinion on these gentlemen? Yeah, I thought I definitely thought this fight was a sleeper. I mean, Amiv looked garbage in his last fight against sam alvey i mean it was just battle of the garbage men but honestly i mean sam alvey's the type of fighter who can lull you into kind of a shitty fight uh mina's a super interesting prospect 13 and 0 like you said he's got amazing grappling and got pretty heavy hands i mean i know it doesn't take out much to knock out mike Pyle, but 
looks like he's got a pretty even uh, ratio of knockouts and submission wins to his credit at 13 wins. You know, what you say his last fight was two years ago, so it's been a little while since he's been in there. But, you know, this isn't a bad fight. This is honestly a fight that I'd rather see on FX than the fight past prelims. You know, you have – I mean, this is a this is an FX fight, perfect fight for TV because you build up this guy's name and – I mean, you're not going to make Alberto Mina a household name, but at least someone sees him and they're like, I've seen that guy with that, you know, the chest half sleeve and the soldier of God. He gets a little bit more name recognition as than just the diehards watching him on Fight Pass. Yeah, that's true. I think there's a, uh, I think uh, this Olenek uh, Albania fight should be on the prelims and, uh, or the Fight Pass, and this one should be buffed up. Yeah, um, for sure. I think the, I'd o- agree. the other, the other three, uh, on the the FX aren't aren't bad placed on FX, you know. I think they kind of they're kind of deserving of their spot, but um, keep them going on the prelims. Um, uh, this is a pretty surprising fight to be on the prelims to uh, Talis Latis, uh, twenty seven and eight overall, twelve and seven in the UFC. He's been in the UFC f- forever. Dude fought Anderson Silva like six or seven years ago. I think more than that, more like seven or eight years ago. Um. But uh, lost his last fight to Tavares, uh, and then he's beaten he's beaten guys like I don't know, Sam Alvey, Chris Camozzi, Tim Boach, Francis Carmont. But those guys are pretty uh, inactive, not too high level, and they're kind of just like lazy counter strikers, like you said with Alvey. He kind of lulls you into boring fights. Um, but uh, I think uh, latest usually struggles with like you know pressure fighters like uh, Tavares and good wrestlers. Uh, so I, that's definitely what uh, Jack Hermanson's gonna try to do uh, in this fight. Um, he's uh, sixteen and four overall, three and two in the UFC. Nothing, nothing special at all with this guy. Uh, got uh, knocked out by Thiago Santos in his last fight, uh, and he's beaten some bums like you know Alex Nicholson, Bradley Scott. Um, but yeah, this guy's nothing special. And the interesting thing about this is he has lost uh, two fights. I think Cesar Freira was his last, or uh, the other one, and Talos Late or uh, Thiago Santos. Both of them were in Brazil. Um, yeah, he got finished in Brazil twice. Uh, so that's interesting. Seems like kind of a sheep they're flying to Brazil for uh, latest to get back on track. But um, what do you think about this fight? I'd say uh, Latis is not a bad, you know, he's he's been everywhere. He's fought so much over the course of his career, but I'd have to argue he's pretty shopworn at this point. Uh, Hermanson's never really impressed me. I'd say arguably his biggest win to date was against Scott Askham. Scott Askham's doing some pretty big things. I think over in ACB right now is where he's fighting. He's he's looked all right uh, lately, but, I mean, he could just be on the upswing as of right now. Like you said, the wins against uh, – Bradley Scott and uh, Alex Nicholson don't really do very much for him. But uh, I thought Latis, in my opinion, was beating Bisping for a little while when they fought uh, maybe a year and a half ago. Yep. But tough, tough matchup to choose between these two guys, honestly. I've, I've, I've never really been too high on Hermanson. I've, I always think that he's, you know, a second away from being finished. He's just one of those guys that seems like he's – very, very easy, easy to put away. I mean, it's easy to say that when you fight guys with striking power like Tiago Santos, but, I mean, Cesar Ferreira is not the best grappler, in my opinion. So I would have to say latest takes a decision that's somewhat semi-competitive. Yeah, and or he just, you know, clips him with the punch and, you know, like you said, knocks out Hermosin. But uh, Hermosin is a favorite in this fight, minus 155, and uh, 
the interesting thing I forgot to mention last fight, Albert, about the, Alberto Mina is actually a pretty big underdog, plus 175. Uh, and uh, Ameev is a 2-1 favorite. And I did not expect that. Uh, I expected the line to be a little closer on that one. And I expected this one to be... I mean, I it's hard to place Latest as a, a favorite, being he's so, like you said, uh, shop-worn and Hermosa is younger and... Uh, has looked a little bit better lately, but um, I guess that that line is, is uh, sort of accurate. But yeah, I, I think this fight is pretty deserving to be on the uh, fight pass prelims. Ne- neither of these guys has much momentum going behind them, uh, and you know the winner isn't really gonna get much uh, much much push. Uh, but uh, last fight on the fight pass prelims, we got uh, Warley Alves, eleven and two overall, five and two in the UFC, taking on Sultan Aliyev, uh, fourteen and two overall, one and one in the UFC. Um, Alves is uh is no joke. He's uh you know obviously got wins over uh Colby Covington. He uh, submitted Nordin Taleb. He won a decision versus Alan Joban. So those guys are all pretty, uh, pretty legit contenders. His only losses being to uh, Brian Barberina, who's kind of surprisingly uh, decent and kind of hard to put away, and uh, Kamara Usman, who's obviously uh, uh, a motherfucker. Um, but uh, let's see, he won won his last fight in uh, uh, October at the Cerrone versus Till event. Uh, dude's a pretty good grappler, uh, not pretty good, really good grappler, pretty good wrestler as well. Um, you know, he's obviously struggled with those high-level wrestlers like, uh, Usman, but, uh, and I imagine that, uh, this, uh, Aliyev fellow is not gonna, uh, give him much, uh, slack either. He's, uh, pretty good on the ground himself. Um, yeah, I don't know, he's kind of like a lazy wrestler, you know, likes winning decisions and shooting for takedowns at the end of fights and, you know, winning the round on the uh, the last thirty second takedown, not the most exciting guy. Uh, lost to uh, Kenny Robertson by knockout. Beat Bojan Velokovic. Uh, only fought two times in like three and a half years too. So, I think Alvis should uh, be able to win this fight pretty easily. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I'd see Alvis probably getting this done. Any way he wants. The only thing is, is I don't know. Alves's chin's all right, but Alves does have the tendency to gas. So the uh, the best path to victory for Aliyev, in my opinion, would to be survive the grappling exchanges with Alves. Don't get caught in a guillotine. Don't get caught in you know any of Alves's best submissions, and then just have him end up wearing him down and working for position and you know taking two rounds two and three after alves gasses and one yep that's a that's, that would definitely be the good idea um uh, i mean he would have to be really gassed though because i mean his guillotine is probably the his best submission um and i mean he's caught uh covington who's probably one of the best wrestlers in the ufc and so i imagine that if this uh sloppy russian uh guy shoots for a late takedown or some shit in round two or four he uh, still might get his or two or three, excuse me. He still might get his neck snatched. Um, but yeah, uh, I I'd much rather an Alvis win, honestly, because I mean, you know, I don't know if Aliyev's been hurt, but I'd rather see the active, you know, Brazilian guy. Not I'm not I'm saying I'm picking Brazil over Russia, but I'd rather see a more active fighter beat the guy who fights once every three years. Yeah, and uh, I can see uh, possibly going to the scorecards, you know, Brazilian judges giving Alves a little bit of a nudge, uh, too. You know, especially if, like like I'm saying, if uh, Alves, you know, 
uh, you know, controls the feet for the first four, four and a half minutes, and then this jackass shoots for a takedown in the last 30 seconds, the Brazilian judges will still probably give the round to uh, Alves. So, uh, yeah, Alves is a deserving uh, favorite in this fight. He's minus 240. Uh, Aliyev's a uh, two-to-one underdog. Um, I don't think I, I'm going to bet on any of the fights on the prelims. Uh, none of them really uh, interest me. Um, maybe I'll look at a few props if I'm watching it live, but, you know, nothing nothing uh, exciting odds-wise. Um, moving on to the FX prelims. Pretty interesting. They're doing them on FX. Um, first fight we got, oh, man, this guy's name's a, 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 a mouthful. Ilitsu Zaleski Dos Santos. Uh, eighteen and five overall, four and one in the UFC. Taking on uh, Sean Strickland, nineteen and two overall, six and two in the UFC. So, um, uh, Dos Santos uh, lost to uh, Nicholas Dalby in his debut, who's a pretty legit uh, guy. He's uh, went to uh, went to a draw with uh, Darren Till a while ago, and um, so uh, Dos Santos is a, uh, a brawler. He's a uh, Really likes getting in brawls. Yeah, his both of his past uh, fights have been uh, brawls. I'm pretty sure he, uh, he won both of them by TKO. If I'm correct, let me uh, let me double check. No, no decision. Excuse me. Uh, Max Griffin, uh, you know, obviously the uh, guy who just beat um, Mike Perry and uh, Lyman Good. Also beaten Omari Akhmadov and Kita Nakamura. So he's beaten beaten pretty uh, legit competition so far. He's got three fight of the nights too. So uh, this guy brings it. Um, he kind of you know tends to gas and slow down in the later fights. Kind of comes out strong. Uh, but uh, you know Sean Strickland is is uh, super legit too. Is only lost to super high level welterweights uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio and Kamara Usman. But uh, and he's beaten guys like uh, Alex Garcia, Tom uh, Tom Brees, uh, Court McGee. Um, uh, but the, his problem is uh, activity, uh, I believe. Uh, let me uh, check when his last fight was. Sean Strickland. Yeah, um, it is. It's activity. That's why I thought this fight was so funny because you know you put in the crazy motherfucker who just comes the whole fight, and then you put him with guy who calls himself Tarzan, and then his output is insanely low yeah watching a sean strickland fight's not one of the most entertaining fighting experiences you could hope for so i think it's it'll be interesting to see how the pace of this fight actually carries does carry out yeah i think that uh, i think that uh desantis is likely to drag him into a brawl and uh possibly finish him early if he if he can get things going his way but uh, if uh, Strickland's able to, you know, stick and move a lot and use his jab to keep him away, uh, he's got a really good jab. Uh, but um, I think it's going to be tough to keep uh, DeSantis, uh, like away. Like, he's just going to – it doesn't matter if you're jabbing him away. He's going to try to push through and throw bombs anyway. So I think that Strickland is going to have to, you know, make himself a little uncomfortable in this fight. And uh, I think DeSantis is going to obviously try to make it an, uh, a brawl like he always does. And uh, we'll see. So, uh, Strickland is a gigantic welterweight, though. Like, he's – like, a picture of him next to uh, – um, Kelvin Gastelum is ridiculous. Like he's so much bigger than Gastelum, and he fights at a lower weight class. It's insane. So uh, I honestly can see uh, his car. The reason why he's so inactive and timid with his uh, fighting styles because he just is not confident in his gas tank because he cuts so much fucking weight. Like this guy is uh, a skeleton. 
Um, but uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, fight. I mean, it's it's crazy. I, I honestly, I'm gonna. This is like one of my locks. I really do see Dos, San, Dos Santos dragging Strickland into a barn burner of a fight, and I don't like you said. I don't think Strickland will have the gas tank. I think he's gonna go for takedowns. And I don't think he'll be able to get takedowns on Dos Santos. And I think Dos Santos is going to be able to finish him in either the second or the third round. Nice, nice. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Um, next fight. This is going to be a this is a, a very good matchup. Two two uh, not pretty young guys. Davi Ramos, who's uh, seven and two, uh, one and one in the UFC, is uh, taking on Nick Hine, who is fourteen and two overall and four and one in the UFC. Um, Davi Ramos is a, a world champion uh, jiu-jitsu athlete, and uh, Nick Hine is, uh, I think, I don't know if he's a world champion in judo, but uh, he's a black belt in judo, uh, super legit on the ground, um, and uh, he's a purple belt in uh, jiu-jitsu, but, uh, I, I, you know, that, uh, honestly, I think that uh, the black belt in judo is more impressive than the purple belt in jiu-jitsu because, you know, you got to get a guy to the ground before you can uh, impose your jiu-jitsu, which is obviously going to be Davi Ramos's uh, game plan. But he's going to have a hard time getting him down. Um, right, for sure. And uh, you know, so uh, Davi Ramos, he uh, he made his debut on one week notice, uh, up a weight class against Sergio Marias. So uh, the dude's got dude's got balls. He was, you know, he knew that this is his chance to get in the UFC. It doesn't matter. It's a tough fight at a higher weight class. He just took the fight anyway, and uh, you know, did lose the fight. It was sort of competitive with a much bigger uh, Marias though, and uh, luckily t- uh, dropped down to one fifty five. Took on uh, Chris Guchermacher in his last fight, and uh, was able to take him down and choke him out. Uh, not an easy fight though. Let went to the third round, and uh, Kruchemacher, as we learned in this last fight, is super legit. Got some good striking uh, as he uh, fucked up Joe Lozon. Um, and then uh, yeah, but Nick Hine is definitely no slouch of himself. You know, he he he's kind of a, a little more of a boring fighter. Goes for decisions and kind of a wearing, uh, grinding oppo- uh, opponents. But he's beaten you know pretty legit guys: Drew Dober, Tai Hung, Bang. Um, but he's he's pretty inactive. Uh, he hasn't fought since September of 2016, so that is a long time. And uh, I don't know. I think that uh, I think that he uh, that Davi Ramos uh, is has a, a, a tough task ahead of him. But I think that he uh, definitely uh, is going to pretty much go for broke at getting uh, getting Nick down to the ground and uh, going for a choke. So I don't really have much of a prediction in this fight, but uh, how, how about you? Yeah, the interesting thing, of most well, for me, the most interesting thing about Nick Hine is that fight with Ty Bang was actually the fight that Bang was arrested for because he was accused of throwing the fight. Oh, that's right. So that was the one. That's, yeah, that's pretty wild. But yeah, Nick Hine's a super boring guy. He kind of uses that if I'm thinking of the right person, he uses that open karate stance and, you know, just kind of soldiers forward, kind of like his namesake sergeant, catches people with just some little pitter-patter shots, you know, super great takedown defense at 91% and doesn't get hit very much. And then, you know, when he needs to, at the end of the round, he'll secure the takedown. I don't know if Davi Ramos has the striking credentials to be able to, you know, get inside on Nick Hine. But I don't know. I, I see this fight. I don't think there's going to be a finish in this fight. I can definitely see this fight going to decision because I think that 
uh, Hines judo might nullify Ramos's jujitsu, and then the striking difference might just have it be a slow, boring kickboxing match. Yeah, that would be a that would be a bummer, but it seems uh, almost pretty likely at this point. Um, uh, interesting. Uh, so, so Tai Hung that that fight was in Germany, the Tai Hung Bang fight, or I, I thought I feel like it was in South Korea. Yeah, it was in South Korea. South Korea, and yeah, the South Korean government, I guess, prosecuted uh, Tai Hung Bang on throwing the fight. Yeah, the, uh, but I think that was the Leo Kunst fight, not the Nick Hine fight. He actually. Oh wait, I could have had that one, Matt. Oh, I, was I can't it? believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah, believe yeah, that he uh, that he fought again after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, so it was the Leo? Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. The mafia yeah. bet. 1.7 million dollars on Kunz to win. Yeah, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> um, you, you know, it's yeah, and the interesting thing is the UFC found out about it is because the odds shifted overnight. You know, it went from you know him being a uh, an underdog, uh, a two to one underdog to uh, being a favorite or something like that. You know, so they're like, uh, some shit's going on here. Um, interesting that that the same thing happened with uh. Not same thing, but similar happened to Amanda Nunes. Obviously, she was a pretty big favorite. She was minus six fifty on the sixth of May, and she dropped down to like minus one thousand overnight. So somebody had to have bet. Uh, I want to say uh, somewhere in between ten and a hundred thousand uh, dollars in order for her to uh, shift that much uh, down as a favorite. But. Uh, Interesting uh, one, and uh, yeah, so I don't think that Nick Hine uh, Davi Ramos fight will be too exciting. Um, maybe we could get some interesting scrambles on the ground or something. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, for know. sure. That's like the number one thing to hope for. Yeah, because like you said, these guys don't have much on the feet, and uh, it would be really boring if they uh, had a kickboxing fight. Um, oh man, this fight: Alexi Olenek versus Junior Albini. Oh, these guys are canned canned vegetables at this point um junior albini is 14 and 3 overall 1 and 1 in the ufc uh tko tim johnson lost uh andre arlovsky uh man his last fight with arlovsky he looked just hopeless like he had no no plan at all arlovsky just stayed on the outside leg kicked them and uh it, it was it was insane uh, how, how good Arlovsky looked in that fight. Uh, he came out of nowhere losing, you know, five fights in a row and somehow looked like a rejuvenated uh, man in this fight. But um, Albini just looked terrible. Um, I think he's he's just terrible overall. He's just uh, another fat, uh, fat bum heavyweight who I don't I don't understand why the UFC fucking signs these bums. Um, and then Olenek, uh, his last fight was just. A fucking mess against Curtis Blades. Um, he was getting butchered against Curtis Blades against the feet, and uh, eventually ha- having that TKO by doctor stoppage when uh, Blades was on one knee and Olenek kicked him in the ear, and they stopped the fight because he kicked him in the ear. Um, but I mean, before that, he uh, you know he's not he's not much of a bum. I shouldn't call uh, Olenek as much of a bum. Um, but because because he's got like incredible uh, ground game. I mean, he's gotten like look at his record. This dude's gotten like ten Ezekiel chokes in MMA. Uh, I don't understand that. He got the first one in UFC history, and I'm going through his record now, and he's also got like ten more of his own. 
Um, so the dude's uh, an insane uh, guy on the ground. Um, fourth degree black belt in uh, jiu-jitsu. But um, uh, I don't know. I don't really have uh, much of an opinion on this fight. Do you? Yeah, I mean, I don't... Uh, Albini's, let's see... He's got 43% of his wins by submission. I mean, you can only imagine the bums that he had to submit. I mean, I, I'd rather see Olenek win. Like you said, I, I have nothing for Albini. I thought his him knocking out Tim Johnson. I mean, Tim Johnson's just another one of those guys. He's an American wrestler. His ground game's all right. You know, his wrestling's great. He has almost little to no jiu-jitsu. And then his stand-up is just a right hand and a jab. And Albini can beat guys like that because there are a ton of guys like that in the UFC. But I think Alexi Olenek's grappling is going to be the difference in this fight. He should be able to get it down and submit Junior Albini. I just hope they don't allow Albini to come out in the fucking diaper like he did in the last fight. Yeah, man. I don't understand that shit. He looks like a, a big fat baby in a diaper. Um and he just, like, bounces around on the feet and does nothing. Has, like, no offense. Like you said, I can't imagine the bums that he submitted, uh, let alone knocked out. Man, this guy. Um, yeah, and I think that I hope, uh, I mean, I guess Olenek is going to go for broke and just shoot for a takedown and go for a choke. Uh, uh, says Albini's a brown belt on the ground, but uh, I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. Shit. No um, way. Yeah, I got Olenek by submission, and I wouldn't even be surprised. I mean, Olenek's stand-up's not that bad either. I wouldn't be – I mean, with how bad Albini looked on the feet against Arlovsky, I mean, Arlovsky was still fighting pretty gingerly. He wasn't really – you know, he'd catch Albini with two shots and could definitely continue combinations and catch him with, you know, three or four shots, but he'd pulled back – you know, kind of wary because he still has that chin issue. But I could see Olenek catching Albini with a bomb and as well. Yeah, I, mean, I just uh, I'm really just low on Albini. His, his stand-up's not that good though. Um, yeah, it's it's possible though too. I think he's more likely to catch uh, him than Olenek. Olenek's chin is pretty solid. Um, so uh, let's see. Last fight on the prelims. Um, Cesar Friera is taking on Carl Robertson. Um, let me uh, let me check the, the the records of these gentlemen. Six and zero. Carl Carl Robertson uh, came from uh, CFFC and uh, Ring of Combat. You know their local uh, from, uh, Pennsylvania New Jersey promotions. Um, he got a knockout on uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender series. Uh, got a chance in the UFC at um, Poirier versus Pettis against Darren Stewart and uh, won that fight uh, via rear naked choke. Uh, he's pretty pretty good, uh, stri- powerful striker. Uh, got good explosive takedowns. Um, only problem is uh, five of six of his wins are in the first round. Uh, he's only gone to decision once, uh, and it was the first fight of his career. So, guys, definitely seems like a little bit of a one round fighter. Uh, we don't really know what to expect for his cardio because we never really seen it. Um, on the other hand, Cesar Friera is uh, 12-6, and 8-4 in the UFC. Dude's been in the UFC for six years, m- most of his career. Um, his last fight was a, a split decision win uh, against late, uh, Nate Marquardt. Um, he didn't really, I mean, Nate Marquardt's r- pretty shot at this point, and he kind of struggled to win a decision in that fight. So, uh, I mean, the dude is pretty inactive. He's pretty... Uh, bare minimum to fight. Uh, very similar style to a lot of the other gentlemen on this card, unfortunately. So, uh, how do you see this one going? 
Uh, I've never seen Robertson fight, unfortunately. He seems like a pretty interesting prospect. You know, he's got a nice little amount of knockouts and submissions uh, sprinkled throughout his record. Uh, I've never really been very high on Ferreira. I definitely thought that Nate Marquardt would have a shot at winning that fight with him. Like, I was pretty surprised that Ferreira took that decision. Um, he got knocked out. I know he's been knocked out by Sam Alvey. He's been I think his loss, he's got to have at least more than three losses by knockout. And, I mean, Roberts seems like he can land. And I don't know. It's a it's a tough fight to pick because just going off, you know, the cuff with Robertson because I've never really seen him. But I'll go with the young guy. I'll go with Robertson because now that I'm looking, it seems like he's got a KO loss to CB Dalloway, a KO loss to Sam Alvey, KO loss to Jorge Masvidal. Not exactly. And then, the yeah. Hardest, the hardest of hitters, yeah. Uh, and I mean, Masvidal, I'm pretty sure that fight was at 170. He's moved up to 185 now. So, uh, yeah, Robertson is the f- uh, favorite in this fight, minus 145 favorite. Uh, yeah, it seems, I don't know, uh, Friera is uh, kind of not unproven, but you just never really know with him. Uh, his chin is pretty uh, pretty uh, questionable. I mean, it's looked uh, all right in, in some of his uh, recent fights, but... Uh, pretty pretty boring fight. I'm surprised that one's on the on the prelim. So I think they're pro- uh, probably banking on uh, Robertson maybe getting a flashy a knockout or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty pretty uh, terrible terrible prelims. Uh, moving on to the main card. Uh, at least we have some okay fights in the main card uh, to uh, revive the rest of the card. Uh, we got uh, the legend Vitor Belfort uh, taking on Leota Machida. Um, Vitor is 26 and 13 overall. Uh, you know, his UFC record, these, both these guys' UFC records are too long to even, uh, tally up at this point. You know, they, obviously they've been in the UFC for decades. Um, both former world champions, uh, I think, uh, but I mean, both of them are obviously at the end of their career. I think this is probably going to be the last fight for the both of them. I don't think uh, Lieto admitted it, but I think that uh, Vitor definitely admitted it. I mean, Vitor was supposed to fight Uriah Hall in his last fight, so it's a, a blessing in disguise that uh, Uriah Hall wasn't able to make way for that fight because he got a much easier, manageable fight. Um, I think this fight is kind of dangerous, though. Dangerous for being a really boring uh, sparring match between two guys who have known each other for 20 years and probably are good friends and uh, really like each other a lot. And I can't really see any of them, uh, you know, having this tenacity to to go after, like, a knockout or anything exciting. I think it's just going to be a boring uh, kickboxing fight. Uh, But uh, I think Leoto will win a decision pretty easily. Well, I'm going to play the counter to your your hand and say that uh, I got Vitor by TKO. I just thought that Leo has been depressingly slow lately. I thought the fight against Eric Anders, Eric Anders fought with the most rudimentary striking skills ever, and Leo was unable to mount almost counter offense. That's very that. true, very uh, true. I, Vitor, you know, for his age and everything, he still has that, you know, will to win, and he still has that good, you know, TRT Vitor, fifteen to not fifteen seconds. Let me give him some more respect. Thirty, you know, thirty to fifty seconds of just that burst oh, of yeah. power and yeah. speed that you know scared the hell out of everybody in the middleweight division a couple of years back. So I can definitely see Vitor 
you know, I'm sure both gentlemen know how much, you know, they've known each other forever, but I definitely think that Vitoria will set that aside to get the last win of his career and, you know, come out. And I think he'll probably push Lieto back to the cage and get a stoppage pretty early in the first. Yeah, I mean, I thought that Machida was absolutely donezo before his last fight. But, uh, I mean, the dude obviously came out looking uh, incredible. Or not incredible, but way, way better than I expected. Like, I can't even believe that he won that fight. Obviously, had a little help from the Brazilian judges and everything. But um, he looked, like, you know, just manageable, which is so much better than I thought he would coming off of the suspension and multiple-year layoff and everything like that. So... Yeah, uh, your theory is definitely uh, definitely plausible. I mean, that definitely happened. I can see he does still have a good, you know, flurry, uh, a powerful flurry he could rock somebody with. But um, I don't know. I, I guess I don't think I don't see him uh, that that happen in this fight. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's likely to be boring. I think. Uh, but uh, next fight, I do it has no chance of being boring. Both these guys are heavy hitters. Uh, John Linker taking on Brian Kelleher. John Linker hands a stone. Dude's been in the UFC for a very long time. Uh, only lost to uh, Luis uh, Gonda, uh, Ali Baga Utinov, and TJ Dillashaw. So um, three pretty legit guys. Uh, you know, Gonda being the least uh, least legit of all of them. But that was in his uh, UFC debut uh, six years ago. So. Uh, and obviously, you know, only losing decisions to Dillashaw and Bagotinov. Dude's never been finished in the uh, never been finished in the UFC. Uh, only got submitted twice uh, uh, back in Brazil and as uh, before the UFC. But dude's never been knocked out. Never been finished in the UFC. Uh, Kelleher is uh, much more much newer. You know, he uh, won his last fight against Henan Brow. Um, was a pretty uh, pretty dominant decision. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, Brad was, I guess, still in the fight a little bit, but uh, not, not, not really. Um, I think that he was. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't put any uh, stake in Brow at this point because he's so done. But uh, you know, also he beat uh, Yuri Alcantara. He choked him out in, in Brazil uh, last year, and uh, lost to Marlon Vera, and then beat a, a gentleman by the name of Damian Statesack, uh in Poland. So uh, I don't know. I'm pretty. I'm pretty uh, high on Brian Kelleher. Honestly, I feel like he might be able to pull off the upset in this one. And uh, uh, you know, Lineker has looked a lot, a little more like uh, tentative lately. Uh, obviously, went a decision against uh, Marlon Vera. Had a pretty good uh, fight against John Dodson. A five round performance. Um, but uh, I mean, dude's still struggling to make weight. Like he he missed weight at bantam weight after missing weight at flyweight five times or something, or three or four times, something like that. Um, and uh, and like I said, he's lo- he's looked a little more timid, a little more like uh, less willing to brawl. And I think that might be a sign that he's kind of just slowing down his career. I don't know. He's only twenty seven years old, but. Uh, dude's got dude's got a lot of fights, thirty eight fights, and I mean the dude goes balls to the wall. So I can I don't know I feel like he he's definitely an old twenty seven, and I'm not saying he's dumb by any means, but I'm saying that we might see uh, Brian Kelleher kind of turn the page. Uh, I mean it's definitely a bold prediction. Brian Kelleher's a two to one underdog uh, at this point, but uh, uh, so uh, how do you see things going? Uh, I think a lot of part of John Lineker being more tentative came after he broke his jaw in the TJ Dillashaw fight. I know he had a lot of trouble with his jaw after that, 
And I remember, I think it was the Marlon Verify he took immediately after TJ Dillashaw, if I'm right. Uh, he looked very, very tentative in that fight. And, it, you know, he was winning most of the exchanges. But, you know, you're used to it in a John Lineker fight. He's throwing a lot more exchanges than what he was getting into with Marlon Vera. I mean, he handily beat him 77 strikes to 49. But, I mean, if you look at some of his older fights, his output was a lot higher than, you know, 77 sh- strikes and a three-round fight. I think he's gotten a little bit of time off. You know, his last fight was in last October of 2017. I think maybe with that time off, he's going to be a little bit more confident. I think Kelleher's a really, really good fighter, but I don't know if he's ready for Lineker yet. I think kind of like you said, he fought at Brow. Brow is so shot at this point. Anyone inside the top 15, if it's their night, has a great chance to beat him. If you push the pace, you get in his face, and you throw you know, more than one shot per combination, there's a really good chance that you're going to keep catching. So I still have – I still think John Lineker is easily a top five guy, and I'm going to take John Lineker by either a late TKO or a pretty lopsided decision. Yeah, I think that's uh, also, you know, pretty uh, pretty likely to happen. I mean, I think that Kelleher kind of does have a brawling style. I mean, his last fight, he was throwing a lot of bombs. at. Uh, I think he might have finished Brown in the last, like, 15 seconds of that fight if they if they had an extra, you know, 30 seconds. Um, so uh, I, I think that it's likely to get uh, engaged in a brawl, and, uh, you know, obviously Lineker thrives in those. But like you said, he might, be, he might just uh, be a different fighter after the T.J. Dillashaw uh jaw uh breaking that he suffered so um it'll be interesting to see uh uh this, i think that's honestly uh the second best matchup on the on the card uh behind uh, uh jacare and gastelum but uh next, yeah for sure i'd agree next fight we got uh women's straw weight uh mackenzie dern taking on amanda cooper Kenzie Dern is, uh, I believe, six and zero, right? Um, yeah, six and zero, one and zero in the UFC. Um, had a pretty underwhelming debut. Uh, was UFC two twenty two, a pretty recent, pretty quick turnaround. And uh, Amanda Cooper is three and three, um, <laughs> two and two in the UFC, losing to Tatiana Suarez and uh, Cynthia Calvillo, beating Angela Magana and Anna Elmo. So. Not the most legit uh, wins ever, and obviously losing to much better uh, competition in Suarez and Calvillo, losing both by submission. All three of her losses are by submission. Um, so that's not a good sign when you're fighting a multiple-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion. But uh, I, I don't know, man. Uh, her uh, Amanda Cooper's footwork is, is pretty good. She's got, like, okay striking, probably better than Mackenzie Dern, but definitely not good by any means. Mackenzie Dern's striking is just awful it's just winging punches winging haymakers no footwork um but honestly it's it's honestly a a good a good striking style for women's mma because you like uh somebody pointed this out earlier uh not not to be uh you know sexist or anything but when have you ever seen a, a women's fight where one is able to constantly uh count or use their striking to keep a person away it's it's if a, if a, it's usually a grappler versus striker striker matchup and no matter how good that striker is she's not going to be able to keep her away at distance for like for in the entire fight like like Jose Aldo did with Frankie Edgar like you're just not going to see that high level striking uh in women's MMA so um 
I think that uh, e- even though Amanda Cooper has the better striking and better footwork, I think that those winging punches and closing distance is going to uh, uh, favor Mackenzie, and she's going to be able to use her terrible wrestling and sloppy takedowns to somehow muscle uh, Cooper to the ground, and uh, she'll, she should have her way with her on the ground and be able to get a, su- a submission. But, uh, I mean, that this was probably my prediction for her first fight as well. I mean... Uh, the the last uh, woman she fought, well, her name is escaping me at this point. Um, uh, Ashley Yoder. Yeah, sh- her takedown defense is you know pretty bad, and uh, her striking is pretty bad also. And she was able to survive into the third round before finally getting taken down. Uh, and Mackenzie still wasn't able to get a submission on her. Um, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see this fight uh, how p- play out. I mean, obviously Mackenzie Dern's a, a a star in the making. She's got the looks and you know, the fake accent and everything like that. So uh, I hope Mackenzie wins, but um, I don't really ca- I don't really care either way. This is a, this is an extremely low level skill matchup. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, I I think there's nine year old kids. Thai, morning movie tie class was better striking than Mackenzie Dern. The striking that she showcased in her last fight with Ashley Yoder was on level with uh, God. What is that lady's? Uh, what is her name? Cindy Dandois. You know, I mean, honestly, the worst striking I've ever seen in the UFC. Wing in the right hand. The feet were parallel almost at all times. Like I mean, feet. you know. Yeah, a decent jab, you know, but, I mean, it's really not hard to teach a decent jab. Amanda Cooper's striking is pretty good for, you know, uh, for her weight division. For 115-pound women, her striking is, I'd say, above average. I think if she's able to catch McKenzie – I don't think McKenzie Dern has any of any semblance of a chin either. You know, I'm pretty sure Ashley Yoder caught – Yeah, I remember that. She almost kind of rocked her. <laughs> You're uh, cutting out. I'm not not hearing you. RTC off with ground and pound. You know she needs to stay back, try to win the decision just based off of picking McKenzie Dern apart. Do I think that's plausible? Probably not, because I'm pretty sure Amanda Cooper is going to find a way to fuck it up and get taken down and submitted. But I think McKenzie Dern's garbage. I think she, you know, was at least three to four years away from even finding somewhat of a striking game to be you know competitive with the top five women in the 115 i mean i'd say that sage at this point has a better chance of being a prospect than her you know yeah um you, you, unfortunately your mic cut off for a little like maybe 10 second period in there but it came back uh luckily but i i did get the gist of what you were saying um yeah uh i mean uh another hilarious part about this fight is that uh mckenzie Dern left her uh team at the MMA lab in Arizona because her coach asked her to leave because she's not taking training serious enough and she's not putting enough effort into it. Did, did you hear about this? Yeah, I heard about that. And, you know, I've kind of just thought it's par for the course. I mean, I, I really don't see this as any, she doesn't really seem like, I don't know, just based, you know, I, I'm sitting here armchair psychologist, but just based off of watching embedded and interviews, you know, I think this is just like a secondary thing to jujitsu for her yeah, and it's dangerous it. when people you know do make it kind of just like a you know 
something you do every other weekend. Yeah, there's got, levels to this. We see that Ronda all the Rousey time. Written all over her, you know, transitioning yeah. from another sport, not really, not really being a fighter. She's kind of just doing this shit because it's uh, the athletic path that uh, is guiding. Quick cash grab. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to see her. I mean, I'd like to see her succeed for a little bit, but I mean, she's she's nowhere near. Uh, you know the top fifteen. You know, I th- and Nina Ansarov or Angela Hill or any of those girls who are anywhere near the top fifteen would butcher her. Uh, so uh, I mean, it's kind of silly having her in the UFC at this point. I think that she should have stayed in Invicta for a little while longer. Um, but I mean, the the level of competition is so level is so low. I mean, I, I I do understand her being in the UFC, but her ceiling is just only so high with her skills right now. I mean. How many other bums can she beat before? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, and I mean, she she said she doesn't like to train every day because she likes the beach. Like this girl is like stupid. Like she fucking made up a fake Brazilian accent to try to sell herself more. Uh, I don't understand it. it like she's uh, she's definitely uh, not my favorite uh, person on the roster right now. Um, but but that ass though. That's, that's yeah, a, I mean, that's yeah, I, I, I'll take Amanda Cooper by TKO. Just shit, fuck it, you know. I, yeah. I'd much rather see Amanda Cooper win this fight than Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, that would sh- shake up the world. Honestly, I would, uh, wouldn't mind it. <laughs> um, and uh, I actually heard that ACB is uh trained in uh, that, that being her name, Amanda, uh, man, and I think it's ABC. I don't know, Amanda something Cooper. Um, she's training with a pair, uh, some of uh Dern's former training partners and like high level wrestlers and high level grapplers. So, she's taking this shit seriously. Um, I think it would be crazy to see an upset. But, Hopefully, uh, she doesn't find the beach between now and the the yeah. fight. So. Uh, I would uh, volunteer to pick this hand out of her butt, though, if she wants me to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, what do you think about this next fight? Uh, we got Jacare versus Kelvin. Uh, this, uh, yeah, definitely best best matchup on the card, uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, of course, Jacare has been, been around for uh, decades. Dude's a staple in uh, the middleweight division. Uh, surprised the hell out of me in his last fight. Uh, you know, came out, I thought, Brunson was going to be able to starch him in the first, but uh, turns out uh, Jacare still got it. You know, after suffering that knockout to Robert Whitaker, I was kind of skeptical about him. You know, uh, hadn't really had any legitimate wins since Gegard Mousasi, you know, three or four years before then. So uh, the fact that he came back and was able to head kick Brunson and finish him off was uh, pretty insane. That was a crazy performance. Dude looked like uh, a fucking superman in that fight so um i don't know man i think that uh i think br- this is a tough tough task for uh uh kelvin gaslam uh i mean dude's got some stones for taking this fight like he he got kind of not out wrestled but uh eventually out grappled in his last fight and uh tapped out by uh chris Weidman. i think arm triangle uh if i'm correct and uh, yeah it's an arm triangle yeah, and so I mean, for him to and uh, you know he's being he's a small one eighty five er. He took on uh, a much bigger Chris Weidman. Well, had some struggle with him his wrestling. Had some struggle with his size, his ground game. Now he's taking on an equally sized dude with an even better ground game than uh, Weidman. And uh, it's it's tough. It's a uh, it's 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 not unwinnable because uh, uh, 
Gaslam's boxing is uh, incredible, and it's it's uh, I think it's, uh, better than uh, Jacare's by far. And you know, Jacare definitely did have his chin tested in that Whitaker fight. So if uh, Kelvin is able to land some early combinations or bombs in the first round, I think I give him a good shot. But uh, it's going to be hard to stuff Jacare's takedowns. And uh, I mean, like we saw in his last fight too, uh, his takedowns are not the only way he can go. The dude's still got power and is striking and. Uh, he could still win fight, but fights by knockout. So, uh, I think that Jacare uh, is is the deserving favorite in this fight. Uh, but I definitely can see a possibility where Kelvin wins. Uh, I think uh, Jacare is probably minus two hundred, minus one fifty. Wow! So people are giving Kelvin a pretty pretty close chance. Uh, what is that? Uh, 100 divided by 230. 43% chance to Kelvin Gastelum. So that's that's pretty close, man. That's, that's closer than what I give it. So uh, how about you? You know, I'll, I'll be in that camp of the 43%. I'll give Kelvin a good shot at this. I think Kelvin pretty big physically at uh, 185. You know, he did get kind of manhandled in that Chris Weidman fight, but... I don't know. There's just something about this fight. For some reason, I'm really feeling like that Kelvin's hands are going to, you know, be the end to Jock Ray's did you not say, contention did you say at 185. He's, he's big at 185, though? Kelvin? He, he's just bulky. Like, he's not big. He's definitely undersized. But yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just you see him. He looks so undersized against Weidman. But then when you see him in there against Bisping, you know, he doesn't look that undersized yeah. it's just i don't know it, it's tough to say it, this is such a hard fight to call because it's so well matched like you said you know if it it's not a striker ver- striker versus grappler matchup because this jock Ray's last fight with brunson where you know like you said he, he still shows that he has it on the feet that head kick was fucking nasty and he just launched it out of nowhere and then i mean kelvin you know in the past he's had those wins over ellenberger you know who's much smaller at 170 but still he's not a slouch on the ground like the wideman head and arm choke i don't think i we should be able to use that just to say that his ground game is garbage but you know styles make fights i think rockhold i mean not rockhold i think wideman has a different gra- grappling game than jacare but i mean arguably jacare has more of like a you know a suffocating top game where he really does work for those head and arm chokes which is what Kelvin Gastelum fell prey to. So I don't know. Like you said, in my opinion, this fight could be a 50-50 matchup because Kelvin's hands are that good. Yep, I definitely – I mean, he fucking blasted uh, Chris Weidman in that fight, knocked him on his ass. Remember in like the, the last uh, minute of the round? Like, he, he sent Weidman flying through the air with a left hand. Um, I'm, I'm, but, I mean, and I think that Weidman's chin is definitely a lot better than Jacare's, too. So, we'll, uh, I think that if uh, Jacare is not going to be able to recover from a shot as easily as uh, uh, Weidman did in that fight. So, I definitely see it's, uh, it's, it's close. Um, I'm, I'm just surprised he's, uh, that the matchup is that close. You know, people usually uh, overestimate uh, uh, Jacare uh, a little bit. Uh, but, you know... Uh, I, can, I definitely see the line being a little bit closer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, me too. I mean, people always, you know, it's it's a tough fight to call because, you know, he is kind of a bloated welterweight, but for some reason he does bring somewhat of a physicality at 185. But I don't know. It's just like the distance management will be huge in this fight because the boxing distance that Kelvin has to keep will, you know, leave him – uh, vulnerable to the takedowns of Jacare. So yeah. it's just really if he can stuff those takedowns and land those 
I mean, because his hands are fast as fuck. The knockout that he had against Bisping, I honestly thought he killed Bisping for a second there. Yeah, he, his hands are probably one of the best in the UFC. Him, Holloway, uh, McGregor, those guys are uh, the best strikers in the UFC, I think. Um, and then uh, moving on to the main event, uh, Amanda Nunes, a minus 1,000 favorite, taking on Raquel Pennington, a plus 650 underdog. Uh, I don't understand the, these lines like at all. I, I feel like a, a, a chump. I bet on Raquel Pennington at plus 415, and it shot up to plus 650. So... Obviously, I thought that she had a, a better than 20% chance at winning, and now they're giving her a chance at 100 divided by 750, 13%. So I don't understand that at all. I think that Raquel is uh, the better wrestler. Uh, she's got pretty solid ground game, good cardio, good forward pressure. And, uh, I mean, Nunes looked good in her last fight. Looked like, you know, she looked... Uh, she def- obviously defended her belt, um, but I mean, fucking Shevchenko was terrible in that fight. Like she, she wasn't able to mix up her offense at all. She kept throwing the same one two, one two, one two. It just didn't do anything. That fight was just so boring. And I mean, Shevchenko was. I mean, Nunes was obviously able to win and uh, you know, win on the scorecards. But man, really inactive fight. Didn't really show much. Uh, you know, much uh, able uh, depth in her cardio, you know. Uh, but, man, so I think that Raquel, uh, I think the most likely decision is, uh, or the most likely outcome is uh, Amanda Nunes by decision. I think that her striking is just way better than Raquel's, and uh, she'll be able to maybe stuff some takedowns and be able to uh, just outbox uh, or outkickbox Raquel for uh, five rounds. But, um, I don't know, man. I also think that there's a better than 15 or 13% chance that Raquel is able to take her down and maybe bully her on the ground, land some ground and pound, open her up for a submission, maybe even TKO her with some ground and pound. Um, so, I mean, her she's obviously the the champ. She should be a favorite, but I, I, I consider her more like minus 300 considered uh, not more minus 1,000. Yeah. I think more than anything, this fight shows the status of the women's bantamweight division. I mean, you have someone challenging who's number two in the women's bantamweight division who hasn't fought in two years. Like, give me, you know, I mean, it, it just feels like a, Yeah, that this is, is just, that is if crazy. you're not fight, yeah, it's awful. I mean, it's just brutal. If you're not fighting Amanda Nunes, then bulk up 10 more pounds and go get your ass handed to you by cyborg that's pretty much what 135 is at this point you know and it's like i like nunez you know i understand that some people thought that she was boring in some of her fights and i mean you know she did beat the brakes off of rousey and that was a sold a ton of pay-per-views and i can understand she'll probably never be a big draw and she'll probably never sell a ton of pay-per-views but putting people like raquel pennington in front of her isn't gonna do anything and there's really no one else you can put in front of her because Raquel Pennington's number two, and that's you know that's that's the state of the women's 135 pound division. It's dead without Misha Tate, without Ronda, you know, without most of those big names. There's nothing else left in it. It needs life. It needs something. Yeah, I agree that it's kind of 
it's kind of taken it used to be you know a year or two ago it seemed like the most uh exciting division where you know the belt was changing hands back and forth back and forth and um now it seems like it's kind of uh stagnant a little bit you know Shevchenko uh dropped down a weight class uh, that that's kind of interesting to see her going to go get a belt um obviously 115 is super good uh 145 not really too exciting but maybe we'll get to uh i mean uh at least they booked home versus anderson that's that's a little at least something to look forward to in the future um but yeah 135 is definitely uh, a little bit of a a, sl- a sleep fest right now and uh yeah the, interesting and pointing out the fact that she hasn't fought in 18 months that's an, an, an insane statistic but she was able to uh, bully Misha Tate in that fight. So, I, I mean, obviously Tate looked like a, a different fighter after getting smushed by uh, uh, Nunes. But, um, you know, I don't, it's a pretty pretty, uh, pretty boring fight. I, I mean, I, I think it should be on, like, Fox. Uh, I mean, UFC on Fox or something like that. I can't believe this is a pay-per-view. Can't imagine the ticket sales are going to do any good in Brazil. Like, shit, man. I mean, Jacare is the biggest star on the card. Uh, I mean, I don't think people give a shit about Dern. I don't think people... Uh, oh, uh, Machida and Belfort, that's pretty good. So, I mean, when you have three old 36-year-olds uh, as, you know, basically the pivotal moments for selling your tickets, it's just not a good sign. No, not at all. Like I said, I mean, I just can't find any way to get excited about this fight. I really can't, you know, I can't see any way where it's... I mean, Raquel Pennington in most of her fights that she's lost, she's been super, super tentative. Even in the fight that she won against Misha, Misha was so tentative. It was just the fact that Raquel just, you know, was a little bit more active than what Misha was. And I know she started beating on Misha towards the cage. And I think, you know, a part of the thing with Misha was is that, you know, the damage did show up on her pretty easily. So, I mean, a lot of people were like, wow, she did whip her ass. But if you go back and you watch that fight, it was a pretty fucking slow fight. I mean, she's been manhandled by uh, Ashley Evans-Smith, and Ashley Evans-Smith is out of that division now. I know that she ended up coming back to submitting, coming back and submitting her, but I don't know. I don't think Raquel Pennington's wrestling or ground game will be able to do anything against Amanda Nunes. I think Amanda Nunes' physicality and her strength will be able to, you know, overcome any of the strength or physicality that Raquel Pennington possesses. And like you said, I think. I mean, the lines are a little ridiculous. I don't know why they're that, you know, flipped but skewed. But I I see Amanda Nunes by decision. I don't really see her stopping Raquel Pennington. The only way I could see her stopping it is a referee just waving it off because she's getting teed off on so much. But Yeah, I uh, I mean, not Nunes inside the distance was plus 165. So uh, I bet that I'm kind of free rolling this fight all over the place. Uh, got a little bit on Raquel money line, a little bit on Nunes decision, a little bit on Nunes not inside the distance. So, um, uh, I guess the if Raquel wins, I will uh win. If uh Nunes wins the decision, I will win. If Nunes not finishes her, I will not. So, um, I don't know. I I I would give this card a probably like a, a five or a six out of ten. Honestly, it's really bad. It's like I think worse than like some of the fight nights that we've been having over the past couple of months. Uh, but um, yeah. Uh, uh, any more final thoughts on this card? I don't really have any. Yeah, I mean, I think this card is a perfect, you know, 
perfect example of the state that the UFC's in in 2018. I mean, they just got that new broadcasting deal with ESPN, and they're only more going to even more strides to alienate more viewers. Like a card like this, you really expect us to pay 65 bucks for it, and then now we have to pay five more dollars to watch You know, the fights that used to be on Fox on ESPN. Then you have to own Fight Pass. It's just like we need, just like we've been pitching, a unified place to watch all the fights and – the pay-per-view model just needs to die. It doesn't work with mixed martial arts where you have so many people on a roster and varying skill levels. And, you know, most of the skill, no one's interested in watching, you know, paying money to see. I mean, even though John Lineker and uh, Brian Keller is a good fight, you could walk on the street and say, hey, John Lineker and Brian Keller are fighting this weekend. Would you be willing to spend 15 bucks on it? And nine out of 10 people are still going to say no. More like nine hundred and ninety nine thousand out of a, a million. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a bummer. Um, I don't know. I mean, you did you did just mention the uh, UFC's new deal. That's pretty breaking news that just got dropped today. The UFC signed with ESPN and Disney, uh, launching. Uh, they're basically going to be doing uh, fifteen fight cards on. Uh, ESPN from now on. So I don't know what this means for the Fox deal. It doesn't mean that they're exclusive to ESPN. It means that that we could potentially see the UFC still on Fox and on ESPN. I don't I don't really know how that's going to work out with Fox, but uh, I mean they do twelve pay per views and they're doing fifteen events on Fight Pass. They're I mean fifteen events on ESPN. They do a couple on Fight Pass. They still have maybe ten fifteen more events each year that they're going to have to put on some other network. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. Um, I don't really know too many of the details about the deal. Uh, all I know is it's going to be five five dollars a month for like ESPN. And go or some shit like that um and they're gonna do some cards on there but i don't know it's uh interesting to see uh i don't know i guess the uh, ufc getting on espn is a good sign but i don't think this five dollar service is gonna do anything good like if you can't fucking watch the shit on tv i don't understand maybe they have a t- maybe they have a tv show or, so- or a tv channel or something but i mean uh i think that it's i don't know it's kind of worrisome uh it's a, let me see if I can yeah, I mean, see what it really just effect. seems like Endeavor wanting to milk as much money out of them as possible. I mean, it, from what I understood, it's a five bucks for an ESPN Plus subscription service. And that's where all the fights are on is the subscription service. They're never going to be played on ESPN itself. And, you know, I mean, if you're Endeavor, you have all of this debt that you want to get paid off. You're making a little bit from Fight Pass. You're not making as much for pay-per-view. So five bucks a month, that's a guaranteed, you know, however much they get at five bucks a month, you know, it's a guaranteed say they have a ton of people sign up. It's a guaranteed a hundred thousand dollars or something a month of revenue with these people, you know, that with a subscription that automatically renews, it's just like a Hulu or Netflix, you know, people are seeing that cable is not as viable as a model, but I think something like fighting in sports streaming is really difficult to do unless you do unify it and you do show all of the sports on that one streaming because no one wants to have to pay for multiple streaming sites to watch one sport. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I just don't understand this. I mean, like, what's this mean for what's this mean for Fight Pass now? Like, they're saying they're going to have exclusive like exclusive content and shows on ESPN, like the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series in 2019 is going to be on ESPN, and they're going to have, like, uh, I mean, I imagine they'll probably, they might do, uh, 
Yeah, it says uh, brand new UFC content, UFC countdown, press conferences, weigh-ins, all that shit's going to be on there. So what the fuck is Fight Pass going to do? Is that going to just be Invicta and Eddie Bravo Invitational and this and that? Because then those numbers are going to drop and no one's going to watch that shit anymore. And I, I don't understand. They're, they're, they're all over the place now. Like you're saying, it's like, like, all right, if you're an MLB fan... There's one place you watch uh, uh, MLB games. It's on TV. I mean, people. I mean, I'm sure some people watch them on the computer too. But it's MLB.com or Phillies.com, and you can watch that shit. It's easy. It's imagine like explaining to a person like, oh, you can watch the UFC tonight. I say, oh, well, you gotta you gotta buy this one streaming service on the internet, and then you gotta watch the prelims on this one channel, and then you gotta for the main card, it's back on this other. It's not the first streaming app. It's a different streaming app on the first one. It's like okay. But you got to pay for the first streaming app. You got to pay for cable, and then you got to pay for the new streaming app. But dude, it makes—I don't understand. It makes no fucking sense. Like, they think that, uh, that like they're not gonna like. Uh, it's so sad seeing seeing that these like bad bad numbers for the Fox Sports one. You know, UFC on Fox uh, does you know record low numbers. They're you know seeing that shit that happened for Poirier Pettis. Poirier versus Pettis was. An insane fight, one of the fights of the year, and it did record low number numbers. It's it's fucking uh, crushing to see it. It makes it it makes it seem like the sport is like dying, even though it's not. It's just it's it's not being it's not being organized right, not being promoted right. Uh, it's it's a bummer to see, man. And I hope that uh, I hope that maybe some good comes out of this deal, but uh, I can't. I don't know. I can't see much much uh, good happening. No, and you know you you had the perfect analogy MLB for the MLB. They baseball's not a. I'm you know I came from a baseball background. Baseball's not a fucking interesting thing to watch. You're not getting a crazy amount of people just sitting down watching every regular season game. They had a lot of problems with blackouts. You know I I'm a Houston Astros fan. I live in Austin. I can't watch the Houston Astros. The MLB has a package through MLB TV that's 115 bucks a year to watch any game in the MLB, to watch any of the MLB content, to watch anything on your phone, your TV, your iPad, you you name it, you can watch it on there. 115 bucks a year to watch every UFC event, anything. What do you think about that? I mean, that's it's 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 a perfect situation the the UFC is just not fucking smart enough to do it dude uh, let's go through the cost of being a UFC fan so 10 bucks a month 12 months 120 bucks for fight pass okay now another 60 bucks for this ESPN service now we're at 180 dollars 65 fucking dollars for a pay-per-view every 12 uh, every month that's another 780 in addition to our what first uh how much was the first i don't even know so we're, it's like 900 dollars. and then if you want to see the fox wars one card you have to buy uh you have to get cable every month cable is probably i don't even know how much 30 50 bucks a month so you're talking about uh over a thousand dollars to be a a diehard ufc fan it's no wonder that the 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 sport is not dying, but it's being oversaturated and it's losing popularity and it's losing steam and it's relying on stars instead of the, the actual sport and the fights. It's a, it's a sad state of affairs. Um, it seems I mean, like- it really is. At best, it's a hemorrhaging business. You know, you have to – nowadays, you have to unify it. If I'm a new fan, it takes me 20 minutes of fucking mental gymnastics to figure out how I'm going to watch this fight. You know, you have to go online. It's like, Oh, I can't see it on TV. 
So I'm going to have to get Fight Pass. What's Fight Pass? Or, you know, now down the road, oh, this fight's on ESPN+. Plus. Well, the one last weekend was on TV, and the one the weekend before that was on Fight Pass. And it's just, I mean, it's a fucking mess. I don't, I don't understand. It's the only way they have to be making these stupid decisions is just endeavor trying to cash out on their investment as quick as possible. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of confusion. I mean, I don't think they really, I don't think they know what they're doing yet. I think obviously signing to ESPN is a little bit of a good idea, but this whole app thing or the streaming, I don't get it. And, and what it are, I mean, once, uh, hopefully the UFC will come out and clarify what it means for Fox, what it means for everything else and once they start putting out like a, a solid schedule to it but right now it seems like we're kind of just up in the air with a lot of different shit but i mean uh if we're talking to, i mean i think boxing doesn't really know what they're doing either they have a lot of streaming this and hbo this and pay-per-views every now and then and they're kind of stuck in the middle too so i think it's i think it's just a, a weird transitionary period we're going over we're going through with the the internet and tv kind of colliding and streaming services coming out and i don't think anybody knows what the what the really best idea is i mean i think the best shit would have been they go to netflix netflix or or, or hulu is where you're going to get the most uh uh, how getting the most households? Obviously, how many people know what ESPN Plus is or whatever this shit is? Uh, it's uh, I don't know. Hope hopefully, uh, it gets better than it is now. But get yeah, it back. I mean, get, that's get... the perfect answer. Is go to Netflix, like you said. I mean, that was yeah. It seems good too, as too it good is. to be true, though. But yeah. uh, going back to uh, IMG and WME trying to get money. Uh, you know, you, uh, an example of that is this news that we're hearing: uh, GSP versus Nate Diaz uh, being targeted at one fifty-five. At one fifty-five, aka, who's fighting Connor next? Uh, so uh, I mean, fucking, I I can't. Uh, it's it, it's insane, but uh, it, it makes sense. I mean, they're they're getting GSP down to one fifty-five before the Connor fight because if they had it for just Connor, it would be. You know, oh shit, is GSP gonna make weight? Is this that? So, uh, if GSP makes weight, gets it done. You know, Diaz drops back down to one fifty five. He makes weight because he's fought at one seventy a couple times in a row. They have a fight. Whoever wins, who it doesn't matter. Two million pay per view buys versus Conor McGregor. Um, Conor can duck uh, Khabib for a little bit longer. Works out well for him. He gets another uh, an easier fight under his belt before he decides to maybe fight Khabib or Tony. Um, but man, that's a and I think that fight alone, GSP versus Diaz, sells a lot. Uh, I mean, I mean, there's not much trash talk to be done or anything like that. But uh, I just think that they're two pretty uh, pretty well known names, and I think it'll do. I don't know. 500,000, uh, 750,000 buys, something like that. And uh, especially with, uh, they're also discussing Luke Rockhold versus uh, Alexander Gustafson uh, being on the card. Not not for an, uh, it does, it's not confirmed for an interim title yet, but uh, I, I don't know. I could I definitely see it being for an interim title, uh, especially if DC loses. Uh, actually, wait, no, 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 no. If DC wins interim title, if DC loses, then uh, he would probably go back down and defend it against whoever won that fight. Um, but I mean, that's pretty good, man. Uh, they already have Cody versus TJ booked for two twenty seven. So that I mean, that card would be super, super strong. You know, Diaz in in LA would be uh, pretty incredible. Uh, so I mean, not a smart move, but I mean, it's a good good decision by the UFC. I would say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't really think there's anything. Really, no other fights for GSP. 
I'm uh, Diaz. I mean, I don't think he really wants to fight any of the real killers at 55. There's no reason for him to fight any of the real killers at 55. You know, both of them are kind of in the same place with their careers. The fight I disagree. I I really hate Rockhold versus Gustafson as a fight. I really don't understand why that's being made. I mean, if you're Rockhold, what the fuck are you thinking? You know, I mean, you just got boxed up by Yoel. I mean, Yoel's. He's got that one-hitter quitter power, but, I mean, Gustafson's boxing is as good as it gets. Your head movement's garbage, man. Fight a grappler. Fight somebody at light heavyweight. Give yourself some chance. It's a good Give name, yourself though. a chance. I, I think the yeah. – he, he, I mean, he, he jumps up to fighting the number one contender uh, in any circumstance, even if it's a dangerous fight and a bad matchup. I don't I think it would be smart to take it. Um I mean, like I said, I think Gustafson would obviously be, be very good in that fight and uh, – but but shit, man. Uh, I I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, there's not much really left for Rockhold at 185 right now, and it's not like he really deserves to fight for the number one contender spot at lightweight or light heavyweight. But there's not really else much going on at light heavyweight right now. I mean, Glo- yeah, that's Glover, true. Glover and uh, Shogun and Ozdemir, none of those guys really have much steam. I mean, theoretically, if Shogun wins his next fight, we could get Shogun versus uh, Gustafsson, and that would actually be a legit like contender matchup because those guys are two of the uh, the most streaking uh, guys at light heavyweight. Even though Gustafsson only has one win, but I don't know. I I like to see some creativity from them. I don't really. Uh, I don't really give a shit about like rightful rightful contender matchups. Uh, I would. I just want to see some freak show fights. Uh, these aren't. These aren't too freak show either. I mean, they're pretty crazy, but they're not like retarded or anything. Uh, like, yeah, you can kind of see where they're going with it. Yeah, for sure. Pre- two pretty good matchups, and that sounds like a stacked card if it all comes together. Yeah. Let's see what else we got going. We got uh, Nick Nick Diaz apparently was uh, has been getting drug tested by USADA lately, so it's that's a good sign to see. He uh, might be uh, taking a fight of his own, possibly Michael Bisping. Um, that's the, I think Bisping has some interest in that fight, and I imagine that that would be a recognizable enough name for Nick to want to fight too. So uh, hopefully that works out. Um, and yeah, for trash sure. I mean that would be. Yeah, I'd be interested to see a Nick Diaz fight. I mean, I don't, I mean, nothing to lose with that, you know. I'm glad. I'm. I just were. I was just hoping he wasn't gonna fight like a Tyron Woodley or a champion that holds a division. Yeah, that would be a little, little too much. I don't think he really deserves that. Um, let's uh, let's see what else we got. Aldo versus Stevens. That was made official. That's a pretty, uh, pretty dangerous fight for Aldo. Honestly, I think Stevens honestly is gonna win that one. Even, even, even though it breaks my heart to say it, um, you know, Aldo does. Yeah, it's a good matchup. Back. I don't know. I don't know. I, I got. I still have Aldo. I think that uh, Aldo's not. I mean, I think Aldo still beats anyone at forty-five, not named Holloway. Uh, I, I think Aldo would give. I don't know. I think Holloway. Uh, uh, Aldo would give or take. I mean. Yeah, Ortega, a great fight. That's for but sure. Yeah. It'd be, it's tough. It's it's really tough to gauge where Aldo is, you know, coming off of two back-to-back yeah. ass whippings. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's hard to – I mean, I can't be confident in saying that he could beat anybody. I mean, I, when I see I, – I just see two guys going in different directions right now. I don't – I mean, when you talk – like, I think 
when you're talking about matchups in MMA, it's equally as important to analyze skill. Like, you know, who's got the, you know, obviously is good takedown defense, it's great striking uh, versus, like, just what direction they're heading. You know, we've seen uh, Stevens knock out, what, three people in a row, two this year already. Um, uh, pretty pretty much knocked him out, like, uh, uh, unconscious, too. Is it th- three knockouts in a row for him? Am I right? I um, believe it is three knockouts. Trying, in trying, to, th- trying to think who the, the one before uh, do who Choi was. Um, either way, um, so uh, let me let me just check this because uh, was it? Mel- I think it might have been Melendez by decision. Yeah, yeah, that's Hu right. Choi. That's right. Uh, good. Uh, so um, I don't know. Yeah, I d- and then Aldo obviously you know taking two beatings of a lifetime and. You know, he's taking six months off, six, seven months off, but I, I don't even know if that's enough time. So it'll be, I mean, like, Aldo is probably one of my favorite fighters of all time, so it's kind of it's kind of a bummer to say this, but it's just it's just scary uh, seeing him take that fight. Yeah, for sure. Super scary. I mean, you know, hopefully if he loses this one, he can see that he's on the, the downhill angle of trajectory of his career and he knows it's time to hang him up pretty soon uh, i feel like he's got to have a pretty good sense of where he's at though for him to take like this like you know if if he said hey give me miles jury uh the ufc would be okay here's miles jury uh but uh he was like yeah give me the top five guy uh stevens which is just insane speaking of miles jury uh miles jury versus chad mendez announced uh for ufc boise i think that's an awesome fight really excited to see chad back it's funny because i uh, a couple years ago like chad was just like oh chad's fighting again it's like oh, i kind of don't even like chad he's kind of annoying um and then and then all of a sudden he gets suspended and a couple years later you're like oh i can't wait for chad to get back in there and, and like it kind of adds some excitement and some like notoriety to him a little bit um so uh i don't know i'm definitely i don't know I don't know what contributed towards that. Uh, I like following him on Instagram and seeing all of his elk hunts and stuff too. So, um, yeah, he's a pretty interesting. I always was a big Chad Mendes guy. I remember that I saw him was making him him making Cody McKenzie shit his pants on that fucking nasty body shot, the biggest mismatch in UFC history, in my <laughs> opinion. Yeah, one one of them. But, um, yeah. The, Let's see. I'm just trying to scroll through uh, the news stories for these past uh, couple of weeks, trying to see if we uh, got anything new here. Uh, Gaethje said he wants to start fighting a little smarter, you know, start using his wrestling. Uh, it's too late. Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree. <laughs> Joanna, yeah, yeah, Jade Jeffers' is, uh, Tisha Torres three-round fight. That's going to be awesome. Who's the, the headline of that UFC Calgary card? Uh I don't, it's not Aldo versus Stevens. I think they're tr- I think they were trying to do uh, Nico Montagna versus uh, Shevchenko, but uh, as we learned through that whole uh, Arrow Helwani scandal, not scandal, you know, but that freak out uh, that uh, Montagna was still hurt. You saw that, right? Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty stupid on her behalf. Like, she, like, it, a reporter is doing his job, and she's like, I already fucking told the UFC, you you little dick nitwit, like, just going off on him, and, like, 
like you're 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 in the wrong like you idiot like he doesn't work for the ufc he's an independent journalist asking questions he reported the facts and just because you think it makes you look bad like she she literally said ariel helwani is feeding my name to the wolves or something like that like you fucking idiot you're you have one fight in the ufc nobody knows who you are the most undeserving ufc champion in history and you're saying that ariel helwani needs to feed your name to the wolves to stay relevant like that's so dumb like like that yeah like that pitch i I really just went down shevchenko destroys her dude like what is the question there's there's no question of that fight shevchenko is is miles ahead of her uh it's gonna be the the biggest uh lopsided uh odds for uh, a a title or uh you know a champion versus challenger in history i guarantee it um Adi Sanya versus uh, Brad Tavares getting announced. That's a pretty good fight. Seeing a lot of people saying that it's too much too soon for Adi Sanya, but I disagree. I think it's good to give him a, a stiff competition, a legitimate guy. I mean, like, how many more bums can he face before they give him, like, a, a semi-legit guy? And, I mean, uh, I think that he's fought already two bums. That's enough for him to, you know, move his way into, you know, top 15. Uh, and if he loses, it doesn't really matter. He'll he'll b- bounce back. He'll learn what he needs to get better at, and he'll bounce back. Like Sage Northcutt, when he lost to Brian Barbarina, didn't lose any star power. He, people still wanted to see him fight, and he got better. So uh, I don't. I disagree with people saying that it's too much for uh, to Adi Sanya. How about you? Um, I can see where they're coming from when they're saying it's too much. I think uh, Tavares is criminally underrated i think he's fought a lot of guys who were on the upswing and people didn't really realize the guys were on their upswing um i think he's just kind of one of those guys who's not really the best in one area he's kind of just really good at you know ever he's just really well balanced um i think he's definitely a better fighter than vittori and i see i don't know i just really don't see Adesanya winning that fight unless he does catch Tavares with something nasty. I think Tavares has heavier hands than people give him credit for, and I think I don't think he's going to knock Adesanya out by any stretch. But I think he'll be able to get in, you know, push the pace and pressure Adesanya, and give him more pressure, you know, apply more pressure than what Vittori or that Australian oh, yeah. gym teacher was able to do. Uh, yeah, I think he has a good chance of taking him down and bullying him on the ground, and maybe even TKOing him on the ground. But uh. I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be tough to do. Um, I mean, he's obviously gonna be prepared. Like the dude's pretty smart. Like I said, he's he waited a pretty long time to get in the UFC. He's, uh, uh you know, taking fights little by little. Um, so I think it's uh, I don't know. I, I would I would say that Tavares is gonna be the deserving favorite in that fight, but I wouldn't write off Adesanya. Um, let's see, Ponsonibio got hurt and Damian Maya filled in. That's a insanely risky fight for Damian Maya. Um, but you know, fuck it. Uh uh you gotta get back in there soon enough. And I guess he sees he must see something like, oh, okay, this guy's gonna try to wrestle me and I'm gonna control him on the ground, which he might have a good chance at doing, but I mean his last fight he fought a good wrestler who pretty much whooped his ass. But I mean, uh Usman is not nearly as good as Covington is, so I don't know. I think Maya still has a decent chance in that fight, but uh, uh, let's uh, check out the odds on that one. It's got to be pretty lopsided yeah. towards Pl- uh, plus Usman. plus three uh, thirty-five for Damian Maya. That's pretty insane. Um, I don't know. I think I give him his chances a little better than that, but 
uh, not by much. Yeah, same. I, I mean, I, I see Usman beating Damian Maya's ass. I think Damian Maya is pretty shop-worn at this point, and, you know, I think he's on the way to retiring. Yeah. But, I mean, his his last performance is just so underwhelming. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I mean, and Maya didn't look awful in the coming to the fight. Like, he looked okay on the feet. He just got got butchered with that ground and pound. But uh, Usman's ground and pound is just not that good. So, uh I can see him being able to, you know, use his jiu-jitsu and uh, maybe nullify his wrestling and, uh, I don't know, maybe win a decision. Who knows? Uh, but kind of a bummer that Ponsanibi got injured. That, that fight was way better. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, I'm trying to say that there's no, there's no main event for that Calgary fight yet. Um Dylan Dan is creating hella hella noise. Everyone's calling him out, talking shit. Pretty pretty incredible. That he's got all these people, you know, Dos Anjos, Bisping, all these people talking shit, and the dudes want to know. So I mean, his shit is working, working a lot better than Covington's. Um, yeah, that's Nick Newell getting a shot at the Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. That's pretty uh, pretty sweet. Uh, I think that's a that's a good place for him to make his debut. Uh, Instead of you know just propelling them right into the UFC, uh, Pettis and uh, Kiesa got rescheduled. That's a good, I'm pretty happy they did that. Honestly, I wish they would they would have rescheduled uh, Felder and Iaquinta, but I guess Felder wanted to get back in there quicker than Iaquinta was ready. Um, it's a bummer. yeah, that was such a good fight. I was looking. That was honestly like the biggest loss for me on that whole card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray Borg's bad luck continues. His uh, son is, you know, terminally ill or something like that, and he's uh, out of his next fight against, uh, I think Brandon Marino. I think they rescheduled it. Um, I'm trying. Uh, I wonder who filled in for Brandon Marino. Um, let me see. Uh, Alexandre Pantoja, that that bum. Um, I think uh, Marino will be able to handle him. Um, trying to think, any uh, any other news stories you think you want to talk about? Uh, Lewis versus oh. Ngano. Uh, just should be pretty. <laughs> you saw Ian McCall get wrecked in Ryzen. That Ryzen had yeah. some pretty crazy finishes. That spinning back kick. Um, yeah, Ryzen was pretty good. I watched that. Uh, Darren Crookshank, pretty crazy switch oh, kick yeah. knockout. That flick was, the guy yeah. off when he was down. That was beautiful. Yeah. He was like, he made an Instagram post. He's like, I don't really know why I, f- I flipped him off, but I kind of regret it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck? But it was interesting, nevertheless. Uh, oh. Yusuke, really good lightweight, over Japan, uh, arguably Japan's greatest lightweight. Yeah, for sure. And I'd really uh, like to see that guy last, get tested. Last uh, thing I'll mention is something we forgot to mention about Atlantic City is uh, the uh, Leslie Smith situation. So Leslie Smith's opponent, Aspen Ladd, misses weight for her fight, and uh, some, I don't know, doesn't seem like she really wants to fight anymore. So the UFC uh, offers Leslie Smith uh, her full show and win money if she were to just, you know, take – uh, you know, just have the show and win money, and this counts as her last fight on the contract, and they're not going to re-sign her. So they obviously know that she is the head of uh, Project Spearhead, the, uh, the effort to unionize MMA and, you know, get some collective bargaining going and fighters' rights and everything like that. 
So uh, the UFC was aware of that, aware of how that's a threat, didn't really want her on the roster anymore, and just paid her out to kick her out, basically. And, uh, I mean, it's so, so obvious like that they did it, so obvious that they didn't want her there, so obvious they, they gave her a different treatment. Like, usually when a person misses weight, they're like, uh, here's your show money, or here's a portion of your show money. Like, uh, another guy on the card missed weight. Uh, what's the, he was a R- Russian guy. Um was Biblatonov? Yeah, Biblatonov and ok- Okasaki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Biblatov is his back got hurt, and then they paid Okasaki like half of his show money or something like that. Even though they paid for the exact same situation, instead of getting hurt, missing weight, they paid Leslie Smith her full money, which is just ridiculous. Um, I mean, it's just so obvious that they're that they're fucking trying to get rid of her, and now they announced that Leslie Smith is suing the UFC and uh, kind of you know just sticking it to him, which is honestly cool to see. And I hope she has some success, but I don't I don't really see her having much. Yeah, uh, I don't either. I mean, but it is crazy that double standard, you know. Unless some other fighters like get behind or something, but unlikely, unlikely, definitely. All right, well, I think that that'll wrap it up for this podcast. We've been talking for uh, just about two hours, my friend. So uh, uh, I just want to thank you for coming on. You know, it's uh, always a pleasure to uh, always a pleasure to have you talking about some uh, some mediocre fight cards coming up this week. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, what, what's your uh, what's your prediction for the? We'll go through the, the main card predictions real quick. Um, uh, Vitor, you got uh, Vitor over Machida. Uh, Kelleher or Linker, you got Linker. Uh, we're cheering for Amanda Cooper for the upset. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jacare. You're going with Gastelum, and uh, I guess I'll pick Raquel for the upset uh, as a, as like a long shot, right? Yeah, I mean somebody's got to. So. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I think that'll that'll wrap up this episode, uh, episode 17 of Martian MMA. Again, Luke, thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you, my friend. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, man. Hopefully we'll have a better card. We actually do have a better weekends to talk about pay-per-view wise with 225. So yeah, I look forward to that. For sure. Yeah. I might have to hit you up to come back on and talk about that one. Uh, a good card for once. Cause honestly, <laughs> halfway through reading that main card, I mean, I'm like, man, this is boring. These fights fucking suck. But, uh, hopefully, hopefully we can get some better ones soon. So, uh, Again, thanks for coming on, everybody. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast, I thank you for tuning in to episode 17. And I will see you guys next week after UFC 224 before UFC Chile. Peace.